The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Aww. Look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, this is James from Cave Dweller Music, and we've got Brendan here, my co-host. Uh, today we are talking to Hyde and Joe from the band Carrion. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, uh, obviously, you've been on the show before, Hyde. Uh, Joe, it's the first time for you. Uh, it's been a while, though, since we chatted. So what's been new since the last podcast we did with you? I actually checked uh, earlier today, and I don't know if if it's entirely accurate but uh, uh i think it's been about six months or so since the last time that's crazy oh, wow yeah like it's I been know. a lifetime since then i know it feels so much longer but um yeah since then i guess the last time we talked was when um uh we had just signed to brutal resonance records and we were putting out the um the revised edition of testament of the exiled um mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if I mentioned it. Maybe I did give like a little hint or something uh, that time that we were working on something new, but uh, that's pretty much what we've been doing. Uh, even then, when when we did that interview, uh, I was uh, working on uh, this new album that will be out in November this year. And uh, I think that was just around the time where Joe joined the band as well. Nice. Yeah, actually, it was. Yeah, I think I think it was. I remember you mentioning that last time. Um, so what I just realized is there's probably a lot of people who aren't familiar with your music who didn't hear the last podcast. So do you want to tell people a little bit about Karen and what, what it's about? Yeah, so... Uh, Karen is uh, some... It's, I guess in the industrial rock metal world, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, it's synthesizers and heavy guitars and screaming and all that stuff. And, you know, a few ballads here and there. Um, It's just something that I started uh, for myself a couple of years ago, just fucking around and uh, learning, just diving into the world of electronic music after uh, playing in a bunch of more traditional like punk and metal bands and that kind of thing. And uh, obviously it seems to be an area that you really fell in love with, right? Yeah, you know, I uh, I just, uh, the part about industrial that always fascinated, fascinated me was just the idea of uh, of how I guess how lawless it is, you know, like, it's like you want to make music, you don't even need traditional instruments. Mm-hmm. Like it's more, it's more punk than punk. You know, you can just make a song out of like banging pots and pans together, literally. Right. And yeah. Then, you know, very, very that. DIY. Yeah. And like, you know, taking that and just um, combining it with all like the rock and metal stuff that, that I was listening to in my teenage years, like Wasp and Megadeth and all that. So, Joe, I know that you have low battery, so they may lose you on this call. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about you since you joined the band and uh, how that's been, uh, working on the new album? Sure, yeah. Um, it's It's been an experience for sure, because uh, 
like coming from from where I come from, which is I, I suppose more uh, traditional in the two guitars, bass, drums setup um, with the electronics sort of going to something that's vastly more electronics heavy, heavy and uh, and sort of adding you know the the bass to that you know finding new melodic elements to play with has been really really fun you know i've I've known Hyde for a really really long time uh through previous projects that we've been in and and it was just through um oh what if we did this together what if we did that together and i think it was Hyde that sort of said to me it was like we're doing all this stuff why don't you join the band and it was like i was a little apprehensive at first but the the opportunity to play around with some of the really cool stuff that Hyde does was too much to pass up. So yeah, that was it's been a lot of fun, sort of getting to try something new. That's awesome. And I know that you have another project of yours, which I want to ask you about. Why we still have you, um, Vanity Kills. Yeah. Um. What, you want me to talk about Vanity Kills? Yeah, uh, tell us sure. a little bit about Vanity Kills. Well, we have you on all <laughs> I want to know about it because I really don't know anything. Okay, so uh, Vanity Kills is is my my sort of pet project uh, that I started way back in 2012, um, which was meant to be purely a studio project, just songs. I I, I worked as a as a gun for hire for a long time. And I accumulated a whole bunch of material and decided to record it. Vanity Kills was the name I gave it. And uh, it just sort of developed into into a full industrial metal band that we're now touring our, our second album on uh, Chapter 2, The Enemy. So that's that's been loads of fun too. Has um, COVID and stuff affected um, your ability to play? Or have yeah. you just guys been able to go around and do your thing? Uh, no, it's it's been a it's a huge impact. We we scheduled our our release uh, for August last year, which happened to land smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. So uh, it sort of curbed all ideas of touring that album. So it's only now in the last few months that we've been able to get back out and do stuff. Um, and hopefully soon we'll be able to get out with Carry On and I get to play Double Duty for a, a few nights nice. and play play with both bands eventually. That's awesome. Um, Hyde, I know that while, while we're on the topic of side projects, we'll come back to Carry On in a second, but um, I know you released a really interesting album. Um, I think it was earlier this year or late last year that was sort of an 80s gothic rock kind of uh, project that you put together. Yeah, you know, it was just something I... Just did for fun, really, just killing time. I think um, I released two EPs and then I had a third one written. Um, but it's not really anything serious or anything that I plan to do much of anything with, really. It was just something I did like in the span of a week for fun. Okay, I was too modest. The, the Dove Tribe stuff is fucking amazing, and anyone listening to this needs to go check that out. I agree. I, I second that. We covered that with a review, and honestly, that that's some really solid '80s goth rock stuff. It's awesome. Very uh, stripped yeah. back and bare, but fantastically written. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, at the time, because because you know, you also have to consider that uh, while that happened, uh, we were in the middle of 
I guess we were sort of getting towards the end of uh, recording stuff for for this new Carrion album. And so it's just like the change of scenery, you know, like spending just 12, 14, 15 hours a day doing this very heavily synth-based thing and, you know, modular synths and all that stuff. And then just... I guess it's just like a nice break from that and kind of going back to basics a little bit and just have, you know, a guitar, a very basic beat, you know, a bit more stripped down. So, I mean, uh, Carrion obviously changes with every album. It's a different different beast with each release. This yeah. latest one has gone in a really interesting direction with the vocals and the beats themselves. Do you want to tell us a little bit about sort of the process with how you made the decision to go in that vocal direction? Well, with the vocals? Yeah, because Brendan and I were talking about this today and we found the vocals really unusual. I felt we liked, like, we really liked them. It's like amazing kind of like demonic alien, like, I don't know, something happened. It was, it's awesome. Yeah, um, um, thanks. Um, I, um, yeah, of course I want to do something new with, with every album, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even if you go back and list, I don't know if you would even be able to find it anymore. It's probably out there somewhere. But, you know, if you listen to everything that I've done under the Carrion banner from start to where we are now in chronological order, you know, you're going to listen to anything from very experimental kind of ambient stuff to very EBM based electronica and you know then you have something like the Iconoclasm album where the guitars come in and you know then with the last album there's the modular stuff and this one is like another leap in a new direction and as for as for the vocals I um you know I, I think through through the interviews that I've done recently um it's been fairly well documented that I listened to more 80s rock than any, you know, industrial stuff. So uh, to me, that's just kind of channeling the stuff that I grew up listening to, like Wasp and, and Motley Crue. And, you know, yeah, sure, it doesn't necessarily sound exactly like that, but it's just the idea of... Uh, of that type of thing, bringing in some of that influence. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked up a lot of different influences on the album. The, the last one kind of was, I mean, this was my perspective, but there was some like raw black metal stuff in there, some influence, like it was very stripped back, very raw, like vocally and sound wise and like the DIY sort of feeling to it. And this is very different. This is like, it's got, a, a, I guess, a bit of a fuller sound um, and a bit more yeah. like of a beat happening. I think, you know, um, for, for, for the previous album, in, in hindsight, at least now when I'm, you know, when I'm able to listen to that and then I'm able to listen to the new stuff, um, I think me and Joe were talking about this not, not that long ago and uh, we settled on describing the previous album as a little bit more ambient, not necessarily in terms of you know, dark ambient as in the genre or anything, but just just the feel of it. Like it's 
you know, that kind of slower atmospheric kind of thing. I mean, sure, you did have the more fast paced aggressive songs like Until the Reaper Comes or, you know, like the really heavy chugging things like uh, uh, putting tape over martyrs' mouths. But right. uh, yeah, I, th I think um, if, if speaking about it in, in more symbolic terms, so to speak, you could almost look at that album as like, as a prologue of sorts. And then this one is where you really like dive into whatever, whatever it might be. Right. <clears throat> but then I, I think uh, another aspect of it is also, you know, just, uh, uh, I mean, th there's the, I guess the more boring side of it, which is just production, which is not necessarily boring, but you know the reality of it is that um, uh, between the last album and this album, I've just been watching and reading and and you know talking to people and learning more about the production side of things, and then applying what I learn uh, throughout the process, which. You know that that's obviously going to affect the, the the final result. And um, another thing was, uh, you know, me, as Joe mentioned, we do have plans of of doing shows. So this album is also very. Uh, it's kind of written with the live show in mind, which okay. uh, does have a bit of an impact on not just how the songs sound, but also, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, I want to be able to play these songs and stay as true as possible to what you hear on the album without having, you know, 16,000 laptops with backing tracks <laughs> or, or, or anything like that going on. Right. Um, and then it's just a more energetic aspect of it. I would probably say that this album has a bit more, a bit more energy to it. It's a bit more lively. Definitely. Yeah, I felt that as well. It's definitely got more of a, a pace and an energy to it than the last one. Yeah. I mean, uh, so for the people listening now, what singles have you released so far? You got Shatter the Seals, um, Mesmer Two, I believe, is out, and the other one was Revenant, right? Yeah, the first single was uh, Shatter the Seals, and um, the the B-side, Mesor, that's a reworked version of a song from the uh, uh, the album that I released in 2019 called Iconoclasm, where okay. I, uh, I think what we did was, I know Joe recorded some bass for it. Uh, I did some new synths and I think I redid the guitar and the vocals and some, you know, smaller like arrangement details here and there. Um, but overall it was just at the time when, when, when Iconoclasm came out um, and it goes back to, to, you know, learning about production and kind of figuring out what I want and, and all these things. At the time, I was happy with it, but then as the years have gone on, and now I kind of look at it like there's a lot that could be that could be done better, even mm -hmm. not even just in terms of the production, but but more so in terms of um, recording quality. You know, I mean, that mm -hmm. album was recorded at a time where 
I had just come back from America. I had uh, ended a approximately two year long relationship and just all of this garbage going into getting to the point of making that album and just being in a place where it just wasn't the most convenient place, I guess, to record, you know, you know, like living with other people and then with my sleep schedule, you know, no one wants to like have someone fucking screaming at three in the morning. So that kind of affected some of how that album came out. So when, um, when I just completely by accident stumbled upon the, the stem files and the original project files for some of the songs from that album, just as we're about to release the first single from this new album, I was like, well, this is, you know, it's a good opportunity to do something that I've been wanting to do for a while and kind of tie it in with this new thing. Mm-hmm. So, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, Revenant is the second single, which we released uh, September 3rd. Okay. Um, just a quick question on that last one. Is that single that you remastered, um, is that going to end up on the album as well, or is that just going to be part of that single? No, that's just part of the single, but, um, you know, a lot of the songs are like, I like the songs as far as the ideas that I had for them. So, you know, there, there might be songs from that album that I would want to play live, even though I don't necessarily uh, like how they turned out on the album. And uh, Messer was definitely one of those songs that I always envisioned us playing live. And I just like, so part of uh, putting that on that single was, you know, yeah, g- giving it a more proper version okay. that's more true to how it sounds in my head, but also to kind of introduce something from that time period of, of the band so that when we do go out and we do play that song amongst songs from uh, this new album, as well as, uh, as, well as uh, Testament of the Exiled, you know, pe- people will have some sense of familiarity with it. Right. That makes sense. Um, and now it's in a format where you can actually accurately play it live as well. It sounds like something they've heard. Yeah. And, you know, it, of course, uh, I, I always, I mean, I've told, I've probably told Joe this, as well as Sam, our, our third member. I've, I've told them both this probably several thousand times by now. But even though I started this on my own, I did always intend for it to be a band. So I do try to treat it as such rather than treating it as my solo projects where these other people are just, you know, I'm not like, I'm not trying to be the boss of anyone. So, you know, even something like uh, re-recording old songs or, or something like that, you know, a part of that is also to to make it so that Joe or Sam also can be part of that and kind of feel like they have contributed to to that as well. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it sort okay. of functions and, uh, as a as a nice uh, a sort of pass through from from the old stuff to the current lineup. So it gives it gives me and Sam. Uh, an opportunity that when we go out and we play that stuff live, it doesn't feel like we're playing covers of the old stuff. 
it right. it feels yeah, it like it's something like that belongs to the era that we're from as well. Right. And how did you guys sort of come to be a band together? So how did Hyde? Uh, how did you meet Joe and your third member? I don't know, uh, Joe. I don't know if you're gonna remember this. It's it's a, it's a while ago. Um, um you, I, I can no I can no no. Remember. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about us meeting, but it's something I saw you share a couple of months ago on Facebook or something. Was a memory of when you, uh, I think it was the music video for Addiction. And it yeah. was a memory or something where apparently it was like eight or nine years ago or something. And I'm pretty sure when that was released, when you released that video or, or the first album by, by uh, Vanity Kills or something, I think that might be when, when yeah. we first spoke. I, th I think that's kind of where it came from was that I, I know that at some point you had in some way, and I'm not sure to what extent, but you in some way followed or been aware of the bands that I'd been in. Uh, so Texas Drag Queen Massacre or I'll Be Damned. And and then, of course, I put out the new Vanity Kills, the new at the time Vanity Kills material. And, and you were quite friendly at the time with my drummer. Yeah, from, yeah. From the original lineup. Um, and I think that's where we got sort of clicked into into talking and and sort of online hanging out um, yeah i mean you know now, now that you mention uh what was it texas drag queen massacre yeah <laughs> yeah i've completely forgotten about that but that might actually be the first time or the first thing that you were involved with that i somehow found i, I have no fucking idea yeah. And, and yeah, no, I, I did uh, talk to the, the previous Vanity Kills drummer, and what's funny is, um, at some point, uh, me and that drummer, I talked about him uh, just, you know, filling in as a drummer uh, for, for some carrying shows. So it's just kind of funny how it worked out that that connection between these two bands has kind of existed for it's, years it's one of those years weird things i think i think the industrial scene in and of itself is quite incestuous i mean you you can look at so many yeah. even even major industrial bands and members from one band have been in another sort of iconic band um mm. and we're sort of replicating the same thing on a diy punk level yeah and you know awesome. with sam with sam <clears throat> it's uh that goes so far back i don't even know how that happened it just kind of feels like uh i don't know sam's just kind of always been there in some capacity and always been involved i think if i remember correctly i think the first time we spoke was when i had just released the very first carrion demo in i don't know 2014 2013 around there maybe and i was just uh, you know, doing the usual promotion thing. And, you know, Sam just happened to be one of the people that I talked to who, you know, was always really into it, like from the start, even back then, despite how different it is now sonically and all the changes that uh, Karen's gone through through those years. Um, and, you know, yeah, as I said, he, uh, Sam's always been involved to, to some extent, not necessarily as 
as a member of the band, but but in other ways, you know, whether it be um, helping out with promotion or, you know, just like shooting ideas back and forth. And then eventually I was like, you know, why, why aren't you just a member? Because you're already involved at a level where like the level that I would expect from a full-on member. And yeah, so, so here we are. And is That's it, are sweet. you kind of at the point now where you think this is it, or are you looking at adding more people or are you happy with the three piece? I mean, just because of my, my, my background in, in, in rock and metal and, and stuff like that, you know, I wouldn't mind having a live drummer, for example, or something like that, or, um, uh, you know, Joe did all the bass recordings on on this album, uh, and I think he might have done. I think there's a little part in um, it's either Wolves of Hades or Follow the Sirens. It's like one of those ballads towards the end of the towards the end of the album where he uh, there's some guitar stuff that he did. Um, I think it's so, Wolves of Hades. I, I think it is, yeah. It's like this little thing towards towards the end there. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, you know, the, the more chefs, the, the bigger the mess. I don't know if that's a saying in English, but, um, I mean, that's obvious. You know, the more people are involved, the more complex it gets. And um, right now, you know, I'm in Norway. Joe is in the UK. Sam is in uh, the US. So it's already fairly complicated. So I think, I, I don't know if there would really be a fourth or, or fifth official member, but um, mm -hmm. I do, like we do have people in both the UK and the US that could fill some of these other roles if, if we need it. Right. It's, it's right. one of those weird things where we may... Um, we may we may get out playing live and realize that we need to bring someone in. Um, and if we're playing in the UK, for example, my my crew from Vanity Kills will sort of step in as needed. Um, and uh, you know, if we're in the US, Sam may know some people that can step in where we need them. Um, at the moment, from from discussions I've had with Hyde. It seems that we're, you know, we're sticking as a three-piece from from a creative standpoint. But you know, things are always open to change. If if things need to change, then they will. Uh, but for now, we 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 seem to be working quite well as a three. At least you have that that network you can draw on though, if you need it. Like especially with the live aspect, that's good to have. Yeah. yeah, yeah it, it's um it's great because like I've already run it past the the VK guys and. And they said, look, if you if you need someone to jump in and, and do some drums, or you need someone to jump in and play some guitar, you know, we'll we'll jump in when when needed. Um, yeah, so it's right. good to have that uh, it is, around know, for when I'm, you need I it. I have a few musicians who, um, like, when they tour, say that they have, when they record, they have these people they always work with. But when they tour, it's a nightmare sometimes for them to fill some spaces. Um, mm -hmm with live performance, especially on short notice, if something pops up like a gig, like, hey, this is like in three weeks or whatever, it's in like last minute, like who do we get to play bass type thing, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, man, can you learn this in like 30 minutes? <laughs> I've done that some, to some of my guys uh, on previous occasions. Um, so we've asked Hyde this before, but Joe, um, Brendan has a couple of questions. We're going to ask you now in case we lose you um, about sort of who your musical influences are and that sort of thing. So, Brendan, do you want to ask those questions in case we lose Joe? Yeah, um, I had some uh, some good ones lined up. Uh, first one I wanted to ask was, uh, where's Waldo? Uh, he's <laughs> over there. He's, he's hiding. <laughs> but, but you you can see him if you look real close. Man, he's, <laughs> he's probably uh, not wearing pants. Uh, well, we uh, we were talking to someone the other day, and uh, it made me uh, think about you know folklore and stuff and basically is there like a cool um even modern kind of folklore story or anything from like even like your like town that you live in um oh, joe you're welsh so you do have that um i don't know what it's called but you know the horse thing oh yeah the, there's there's a thing and i can't remember what the name of it is in welsh um but there's a whole thing that around sort of halloween uh a horse's skull with a with a shawl draped like over it may turn up at your door and you've you've got to provide them with beer and if you don't provide them with beer then bad things will happen so that's pretty fun there's there's loads and loads of welsh legends like a lot of the camelot stuff originates in wales um that sort of thing is is all from around here um as far as modern folklore the town i'm from it actually has um it was about 10 15 years ago it was known as the suicide capital of europe um oh. and it had films made about it and documentaries and some of the people involved in in that spate of suicides were friends of mine um and that became something of an urban legend if you're from bridgend um there is that wouldn't be in bridge would it involved Sorry, what? I mean, uh, because you know that I can't think about Wales without thinking of a certain band. There's a couple. Oh, Manic Street Preachers. Yeah, who just released yeah. a new album today, actually. But um, see, because I'm, I'm sure you know about the whole, you know, disappearance of Richie Edwards and, and yeah, all that. Yeah, and, for um, sure. And, you know, you, you mentioned this, the suicide thing, and it uh, reminded me of how the day after he disappeared, they found his car or something by some bridge. So I'm just, you know, wondering if it might be connected. It, that, if I don't think thing. that was anywhere near Bridgend, but um, uh, like, okay. I, the problem with, with Bridgend is we're so, so central in South Wales that, you know, within a 30-mile radius, you've got so many artists have come out of this area so you want to talk you know from tom jones um who was literally down the road from where i grew up through bullet of my valentine and funeral for a friend and the the one with the really nasty person from the same sort of genre whose name shall not be mentioned um oh, oh i th i think i know who you mean but i'm not really sure yeah 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 the, the one who died in prison for a very fucking long time, as well he should be. Yeah, I um, think I know. There's, there's, there's been a lot of, of 
bands that have come out of the area that I'm from, which is which is pretty cool because you know I'm not a huge fan of them, but I've known some of them growing up and and you know when you say you're from Virginia, it's like oh so and so is from there and it's you know instant connection. Well, well sorry that well, was a tangent. <laughs> not a great tangent. <laughs> if uh, w- would you rather have a uh, pet dinosaur or a pet dragon? Dinosaur, hundred percent. No what one else needs need to apply. What dinosaur? Yeah, yeah. If you get like, yeah. <laughs> well, I have a catchphrase amongst my band, which is "Unleash the Raptors." So I'll let you figure that one out. Gotcha, <laughs> Stegosaurus. <laughs> Definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. If we're on uh, these questions still, I have to ask: Would you rather fight one? Horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Oh, one fuck. horse-sized duck. So I wait, a hundred, dude. So that that I question. Feel like a horse-sized duck would like fuck you up, man. I probably lose, but someone is going to be there with an Instagram account. <laughs> That question. I feel like um, you had like a good baseball bat and like a, you know, like, uh, the, I'd go with the little guys and just just figure it out. Why are we assuming? Like, why are we assuming it's aggression? Well, I mean, uh, you have. If we're, well, you said fight, right? Yeah, you have to fight yeah. it. That's, that's yeah. the scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you know. What if it doesn't want to fight? What if it's a horse-sized duck and it's a pacifist? It could fly away. And Joe I guess. just decides to be a fucking dick. I'm I'm leaving it alone. I might ride it for a while and then all is good. Yeah, try yeah, trying to ride it would be pretty fun. Right? You're like, come on, settle down here. I knew this would go somewhere weird. <laughs> I, I would so do that. I'm, I'm actually imagining that right now, and I'm I, yeah, I'm totally on board with that idea. No horse-sized duck. If I can put a saddle on it, and then like just try like and go. Pegasus just, type scenario, dude. Imagine the foie gras you got out of there. Like you can let's go. So that that question was actually a, Barack Obama when he was president still did a uh, ask me anything on Reddit, and that was one of the first like five questions he got asked. So. so So, yeah i mean if it's good enough for obama we we can ask it of our guests (laughs) yep for sure i like it (laughs) oh back to you brendan sorry for interrupting with that one (laughs) no no you're good um uh uh, going back to the folklore kind of stuff uh do you have any uh superstitions no (laughs) it's this is short version um is the the weird thing about the welsh is that we're we're very matter of fact so it is what it is and if it's not it's not unlike the english and and they they seem to love superstition but we don't oh yeah definitely (laughs) so i have a kind of funny story about um some, some welsh guys i was hanging out with um a while back where I was in Thailand and I was hanging out with these two uh, Welsh dudes and they met this American tourist there and uh, she asked them where they were from and they said Wales and she's like, is that a town in England? 
And they said, no, it's a country. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, no, it's a country. She's like, no, but England's the country. Like, no, no, no. It's it's part of Great Britain, but Wales is a country. And they're like, she's like, I don't get it. And like, well, we have oh. a language and a flag yeah. and, and all this stuff. And she, yeah, she just could not wrap her head around it at all. And yeah, they're trying to explain that Welsh is a language in itself. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was going nowhere. But um, <laughs> so question on that topic, do you speak Welsh? Uh, a certain amount. We, we were all taught Welsh. With English is the first language, really. Every single road sign is bilingual, though. So um, we, we're sort of taught Welsh in primary school. Uh, and if we decide to take it any further than that, that's up to us. Uh, my that's personal um, experience is like, I can do it to a level conversation, but nothing special. I don't even okay. sound Welsh. No, I didn't think I didn't realize you were until um, I mentioned it. I, I thought you were English. No, I, I, I'm a chameleon. So I've been in London tonight. So my voice has developed a Brit, an English accent. Um, if you really want to hear a Welsh accent, this is something like it sounds, if you will. <laughs> it's like British, I, uh, Swedish. I actually yeah. get English quite a lot. Like Most people assume I'm English, but... Um, I'm originally from South Africa, but grew up between New Zealand and Australia. And for some reason, everyone thinks I'm English. No, there's, def there's definitely Australian going on there in some See, way. See, you can get it because you're from the UK, but I think people outside of people outside of Australia, New Zealand, and the UK don't know where I'm from. Yeah, it throws a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, definitely different. And then you also like, you're like, oh, I don't want to offend a guy, you know? Like, who knows? Like, I'd probably sound like I'm just like, I don't even know, Popeye, the sailor man. <laughs> you see, I can imagine that being quite interesting if you're from South Africa, but Australia and New Zealand as well, because those three all have really distinct similarities. Right. So no matter which one of them you're in, no one's really going to be able to place it. Exactly. Right. And that was always well, the You know that he's not like, like a peep peep cheerio, like, english side you know like it's it's definitely more like refined and laid back yeah i always i always got that like no matter what country i was in everyone would be like where are you from like here yeah. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but yeah i've always like no matter, i've never been in a country where people like assume i'm from that country which is kind of interesting um but you're right i mean there are a lot of very distinct similarities um between all three of those uh, the i mean it's the tri-nations yeah, yep. it's it's a, it's a weird one. I remember the first first time I ever met someone from South they're Africa. They're all influenced by the same people, right? Like the the first person I ever met from South Africa, I had no idea where he's from because I was like, he sounds kind of Australian, but it sounds almost Dutch. What the hell's going on with his voice? <laughs> it's um, if you meet like someone who's actually Afrikaans, South African, it's they don't even sound like English as their first language at all. No, I've I've met people since. And I've known, but I was—I think it was about eleven years old when I first heard the accent. And I was like, "The fuck is this?" <laughs> we had a friend in um, college who was South African, and he had like probably one of the thickest South African accents I've ever heard. And he got asked all the time where in Europe he was from. Oh my god! But it's—it's it's only now that you've mentioned it that I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> it's still there. I just—it's uh, kind of deep down 
Uh, it's yeah. like when I talk to my parents, it comes out completely, or if I've been drinking. But apart from that, <laughs> it's like hidden away, suppressed. I got to get uh, a drunk podcast going. That'd be fun, mate. <laughs> yeah, my accent will get much thicker. Actually, there's like a certain tipping point where it goes from sounding like slightly South African to aggressively Australian after a certain number of beers. So, because uh, Australian <laughs> has that like drunk slur to it to begin with. Yeah, I would get all. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I've taken it off topic again. Um, back to the tangents. Oh, yeah, this is an interview. Shit, sorry. What was it? <laughs> I don't even remember where we were. It's all good. Or how about this? If you were immortal for the day, what would you do? Immortal for a day? Yeah, just the day. What would you do? Well, it's not immortal. It's invin- invincible, then, I guess, not immortal. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Invulnerable. Uh, yeah, invulnerable. Shit. That's a really good question, because it's like... If you're invisible, you know exactly what you do. If if you could live forever, you know exactly what you do. But for one day, nothing can kill you. What the fuck would... I would hug a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's my my final answer. I would hug a polar bear. What about you, Hyde? What would you do? Uh, well, what am I invincible? Yeah, yeah. for the day. <sighs> I don't know. I'll probably like fling myself off a building or something just to see. <laughs> what I like. thought about like like driving a car like off a mountain or something. Yeah. See how no. you bounce. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably go sky- skydiving without a parachute. We I think that'd be pretty cool. All our <laughs> self-destructive tendencies are coming out, huh? <laughs> I am having weird deja vu right now. <laughs> this is freaking me out. Oh no! There's not been enough drugs for this. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask a question because I'm curious about this. Um, musically, what bands got you into music? I mean, when I say into music, I mean, what bands really got you into listening to music? Everyone heard music growing up, but what, what bands got you into it? I'm going to let you start with this one, man. I've been taking over this interview. Well, I mean, you're here for a reason. I told you to come, so, you know, I don't really care. But, um... Uh, I don't know. I guess I've already kind of mentioned uh, this a little earlier and probably probably in the uh, previous interview as well. But, you know, um, just growing up listening to like Misfits and Kiss or, or, or Wasp and Motley Crue and stuff like that. And, you know, finding, um, finding you know, the industrial side of it like nine inch nails or, or coil for example um mm. that's pretty much where um i have this very okay very two distinct memories of me as a child and overall i don't really have a lot of memories of of me as a child <laughs> but um actually you know what i have three and they're all related to music and they're all related to the question um so uh, the first one is me being, I don't know, nine or 10, maybe. 
and um, uh, I was hanging out with uh, a friend of mine from school, and we're going through this little storage, this little storage room in the house that I grew up in, and we found uh, because my stepdad, who I grew up with, uh, he used to play guitar, so. I found what I assume is his old guitar and it was all beat up. It had like one string maybe and no strap. And you know, I'm a child and this is like a proper electric guitar for an adult. So I remember nine-year-old me struggling to hold this thing up because it doesn't have a strap, right? And just kind of plucking on this one singular, probably badly out of tune string trying to play along to Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne, just me and my friend in, in my in my bedroom. And that's the type of thing that I would do a lot uh, growing up. I mean, another instance of that would be pretty much the same kind of thing, but without the guitar and just kind of miming along to, to Poison or, or School's Out by uh, Alice Cooper uh, with this I had like a stuffed, kind of like, uh, you know, like a stuffed animal, but it was a snake. So I have no idea where I got it from or anything, but, you know, I would like put that around my neck and like blast Alice Cooper and, you know, pretend that I'm like playing this huge fucking stadium show. And, you know, then when I was um, like a little bit older, like getting into my teenage years, like 13, 14 and, you know, starting my first band and all that and just um i remember my stepdad drove me for uh he drove me from where we lived to uh, a town like an hour away with the only reason of doing so being to uh, buy me a bass guitar and a bass amp because uh, at this point i had started my very first band and after a bit of moving around and, you know, playing drums for a little bit and guitar and, you know, stuff like that, I landed on uh, wanting to play bass. So, you know, I, I told him one day, he asked me what, what I'm going to do in the band. I, I told him I'm going to play bass. So he, you know, I think it's like the next day or something. We're in the car going to get a bass. And I remember coming home and like having... Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue and The Crimson Idol by Wasp and just putting on the CD and like playing along and trying to just trying to learn these songs that that I'd been already listening to pretty much every day. And I remember very distinctly this one moment where I'm trying to play along to uh, some song from one of these albums and I'm like so like lost in you know like in the zone i guess in my little like fantasy world where i'm like a rock star or whatever and i remember there's a tv on the wall and i'm standing a little bit too close to it and like swinging around and almost driving the neck of the base through the tv so you know that's that's kind of a little bit of i guess my my backstory i suppose you know just a lot of 80s rock and um you know when when, um when i was like two years old and it's just me and my mom living on our own uh she would 
obviously play a lot of music around the house, you know, a lot like Scorpions and, and stuff like that, or, or Patti Smith. And um, I remember we had this VHS cassette tape and it was sort of a, a best of, I think, like a best of and a live video of The Doors. So that's something that she would, uh, you know, if I'm like, you know, being a child crying and all that, she would just put me down in front of the TV and put on this The Doors tape and I would just fall yeah. asleep listening to, listening to Jim Morrison. And the funny thing about that is later on, I would sort of rediscover The Doors, I suppose, on my own. And then hearing a lot of the songs that I would have heard when I was two years old and just feeling like I've heard this somewhere before, but I can't really figure out where or how I know this. But yeah, so, so you know, that's, that's just always been around um, uh, music in, in any capacity and, and the whole thing with me just in my bedroom fucking rocking out, you know, like I don't know where that came from. Like it w it's just, that's just a natural development. That's just how it went. Like I never had a moment, like a very clear moment where, where, you know, you, you see something or you hear something or whatever it might be. And, and you go, Oh, I want to do this. Like I never really had that epiphany. It was just very natural. And uh, what about you, Josh? Um, I was I was really lucky that like my parents had a, a bit of a generational gap between them. So like my dad was into you know seventies rock and prog um, and sort of early heavy metal, whereas my mum uh, she was very much into eighties new wave and and uh, synth pop. So there was there was a multitude of records around my house that I could play with um as a little kid and but for me it was like as as uncool comparatively as it sounds the the first moment where I sort of figured I want to do that was when I first discovered Michael Jackson um I was mesmerized by the dude when I was young and uh that sort of set me on the I want to be an entertainer and then through through life discovering you know listening to everything my parents had which was anything from you know sabbath to genesis to the beatles uh elvis the cure uh you name it um and then sort of tracing that through to what was what was big when i was a kid which was sort of you know uh the early industrial ninth well not the early industrial, but the early 90s industrial sort of vibes, uh, your Motley Crue's and uh, your Nine Inch Nails. And uh, this is tangential, but sort of finding where I wanted to be in that space from what I'd seen from, from watching Michael Jackson for so many years to, oh, right, okay, I found the music I want to hear now. That's what I want to make. And, yeah. and that's where it all took off for me. I wanted to entertain. I wanted to do what he was doing, but the way that those guys were doing it. Yeah, my my earliest childhood memories of music uh, are all with my dad. And uh, mine, one of them actually, funny enough, is Michael Jackson as well. Um, I have three. 
one was Michael Jackson, one was Pink Floyd, The Wall, and the other one was the soundtrack to uh, the The War of the Worlds. Oh, uh, dude, those are three yeah. albums that I had sat in that collection that mesmerized me as a kid. So I'm 100% <laughs> behind you on that. Yeah, all three of those, man, they stood out. I mean, my dad played a lot of different stuff, but those three really stuck with me. And Pink Floyd has remained to this day in my like top 10 bands of all time. I, I, I just love Pink Floyd. I might like come from my childhood memories of them. Or it might be because I genuinely love the music. I can't tell you, but yeah, that's, they're, they're still up, up there for me. Michael Jackson, I still enjoy from time to time. Um, I still think he's fantastically talented, but I, you know, I don't listen to him as often. And War of the Worlds, there's only one song I play regularly, and that is the one... What's it called? Um, now you're not here. You know that song? Oh, that's such a good tune. Yeah. Um, my dad and I still still do it at least once a month where we'll, we'll sit around in the living room, get drunk, and blast the wall um, and <laughs> piss off the neighbors because he is the pr- premier Pink Floyd fan. Oh, and really? That's, that's the go-to. That's awesome. I am. Uh, I'm actually going to their exhibit in LA um, next month. This that's like a Pink Floyd career exhibit that shows like the, the whole history of the band. Ah, oh, the jealousy so, is real, bro. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I for me they they like their best album and possibly for me this this might even be my favorite album of all time. I I, can't, I don't know if I have a favorite, but if I do, this is one of them. Um, is uh, wish you were here. I, I absolutely cute. love that album. That is a good one. That's such a great one. Dark Side of the Moon, too, though. That's a little bit down the list for me. For me, it goes Wish You Were Here, then Animals, Rick and the Wall, then Dark Side of the Moon. That's my top four. Um, it doesn't wow. mean I, get, I get why people love it, and I get why it's popular, but it doesn't have those same like epic tracks where the music just unfolds for like 10, 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Um, You're right there. It, it's, it's a much more commercial album than those, but it's still... Have you uh, yeah. heard Doom Side of the Moon? No. No. Um, it's like basically like the Doomy version of um, you know, Dark Side of the Moon. Is it cover? Oh, you're like Doom Metal. Oh, it's fucking so goddamn good. Is it cover band? Is like is it lots of bands doing covers, or is it one album by one band? Or no, um, it's a guy, um. Kyle, um, why can't I remember the name of the band he's from? Oh my god, this is bad for me. Um, Kyle Shutt is his name, and he did this uh, Doom Side of the Moon project, and it's uh, oh, he's from The Sword. Sorry, that's I should remember that right away. Oh, yeah, The Sword, yeah. I've seen them live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good band. Yeah, yeah. So he was a guitarist from them, and he did uh, "Dark Side of the Moon," and it's like one of the best renditions of "Dark Side of the Moon" I've heard. Okay. It's so good. You have to check that out. I'm gonna have to put that on in the car while I'm driving home tomorrow. Oh my god, you're gonna love it. It's so good. Um, I um... Perfect. Like I said, like Doom Side of the Moon. Like they just they made made it doomy. Awesome. Nice. Are you uh, are you a fan of the Floyd or any of that like uh, early prog rock stuff or is that not your jam? Me for uh, sure. I love it. 
Yeah, you know, I'll listen to it here and there, but uh, I'm more so interested in uh, Sid Barrett, that that whole era and his solo albums and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'd, probably, I'd probably say Peter Gabriel was the best Genesis singer too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to Genesis, so I wouldn't know. I'm sure I've heard it though. Like I know I have, my mom's played it, but uh, I don't know. Just, um, you know, the, the, the reason that I would, I guess, drift more towards uh, towards Sid Barrett isn't, it's not purely musical. Like there's more, you know, uh, sometimes you listen to, to something because you relate to, to the artist as a person. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's more about that with the, with the Sid Barrett stuff. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I cover metal music mostly with cave drawing and stuff, but my I actually listen to an equal amount, maybe sometimes even more of like classic prog rock stuff. Like if you look at my vinyl collection, it's like a third metal, and then the rest is all like Pink Floyd, Jethro Tell, Traffic, uh, Yes, like all that, all that stuff. That's a, that's what I play at home most. Because it's time. good. That's really cool. I grew uh, up with like Aerosmith. Something and about that stuff. It's just Billy like. Nan. Yeah, yeah, Steely Dan's fantastic as well. Yeah, that's a, they're a good band, very varied. Um, yeah, I I actually have to head off in about 10, 15 minutes. So we just um, if, do you want to quickly go over the release date and all that for the upcoming Carrion album and uh, a few more details about that before we have to wrap up? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, if I remember correctly, it will be November November twenty fifth. Either the 25th or the, or the 26th, and uh, it's going to be on Brutal Resonance Records, so it'll be on their Bandcamp site, which is uh, brutalresonance.bandcamp.com, and it will be on, uh, of course, digital download, as well as uh, we're doing uh, CDs this time around. Nice. And um, so I guess I was going to ask you, um, is it going to be on Spotify or not? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be on all those all those uh, streaming sites, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, all all of those. Awesome. And uh, live performances, do you have like sort of a time in mind that we're going to try and make that happen, or is it just like a just we want to do this at some point sort of thing? Well, that's the thing because you know if you if you look back throughout, especially the past three or four years, you know. Um, I've basically put out an album every year for, I guess this is the third year in a row and you can probably go further back. But uh, this time around, what, what, what I'd want to do is, you know, because we have never spent as much time on an album as we did for this one. Like by the time this album comes out, it will be, I don't know, a year, maybe over a year since uh, since we started writing the very, very first early demos for it. So with that in mind, I also want to give it the release that it deserves and give it, you know, the, the push, so to speak. So uh, hopefully, if, if it's possible, we would uh, try to do some shows in the UK as well as in the US and just uh, focus more so on 
on playing playing live whenever we can, wherever, uh, instead of you know starting up a new album or or, or anything like that again. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and single wise, is is that it for the singles before the album release, or have you got more planned? Uh, no, th- this um, this previous single, Revenant, is uh, probably going to be the last one. Uh, we did uh, very early on. We we did talk about doing like three or four singles, but um, uh, you know, the first single was supposed to be released in May this year. You know, shit happens and things get moved around and the label, of course, they, you know, they have their own schedule and there's, you know, we're not the only artist on there. So, uh, no, there's not going to be, not going to be any more singles, uh, but the album's going to be, let's see, we're almost, almost through September now. So it's not really that long until, until the album drops and, you know, there's going to be pre-orders and, and all that kind of stuff. And we're also doing, um, I think we're doing in early, it's either late October or early November, we'll be doing this um, like a, like a streamed uh, release party where you, you'll get to hear the album in full as well as, um, you know, me, Joe and Sam, we're probably going to pick out a few songs that we like that has maybe had some kind of influence on on what we've done on this album or just had some influence on how we ended up becoming who we are musically. Right. So, you know, there, there will be things happening here and there, but uh, there's not going to be any more singles now. Okay. Um, and we normally end on that note, but I did want to ask one more question while we have you both here. Um, if, this is normally something Brendan asks, but I'll quickly ask it. If you guys could play live with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Dead or alive? Well, you could do a one answer for each if you want. Someone you have to. Okay, so you can answer twice. <laughs> once for alive. Or yeah, it could be like the ultimate group, like spiritually connected. They'll come back as a hologram. We'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I don't know. Uh, Wait, you say you're gonna make it happen? Is that is that could contractually obliged now? We answer this are you question. A you have to make that shit happen. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll just see if this podcast holds up in court. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say dead yeah. would be Prince, and alive would be Stabbing Westwood. Oh, Stabbing Westwood! All right, interesting. I don't know if I can really think of anyone who's alive. Um, I know for dead people, um, I don't know if it would even make any fucking sense, but I'd probably want to do uh, something like the Lords of the New Church and just bring back uh, Steve Baders from, from the grave. Nice. And that's that's probably going to be it. It's just going to be us and, and Lords of the New Church because I just can't think of anyone who's alive. Um, that's a tough yeah. question. I know. Yeah, but you know, then it's also like all these iconic people where if I had the chance to just play with anyone, like most of those people are dead. So mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've asked some people this and it's like really spun them out. Like, dude, why would you ask me that like on the spot? Like I I have no idea. But um 
Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah no, I want like, to say um, thanks again for coming on the show. It's always great to chat to you. Uh, and Joe, it was great to meet you. Thanks for coming on as well. We really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you yeah, too, bro. You too. Um, yeah, thanks we'll, for having us. Keep an eye on our page, obviously. Uh, we're going to be covering the Carry On album at some point before the release date, so we'll have a review up for that. Um, and if you're in our group, Hyde shares stuff in there all the time, so check out any of the singles or music videos he shares in the Capriola group. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on and tune in next time for another guest. Yeah, thank you.